This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Gen Z Money. Today, I'm joined by Tash. Thanks for coming on, Tash. Thanks so much for having me. So Tash, I found out about you through Instagram. We started following each other a couple of months ago. Um, And your Instagram is absolutely blowing up. I see that you've got over 3,000 followers now and 10,000 followers, almost 10,000 followers on TikTok. Yeah, how exciting. It's been insane. It's happened so quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I did see your recent post, which was super, super impressive, that you now have a net worth of $141,000 at 23. So I'm super, super excited to hear how you got there and also learn a little bit more about your apartment property purchase at 22. So do you mind if we just jump right into the questions? Yeah, definitely. So just starting right from the start, I want to get a really good idea of how you got so good with your money um, and what was your motivation behind it. So first question, how was money discussed growing up? Did your parents teach you about money or where did that uh, good savings habits come from? Yeah, so money's always been a super open topic in my family. Like my whole life growing up, everything was discussed, like absolutely everything. Like my parents were always like, oh, we've got mortgage repayments. This is how much we have to save. This is what we're budgeting for. Like it was just talked as like a normal thing. And whenever we were saving for holidays or something, my parents openly saved for it. And they were like, okay, if you want to go on a holiday, then we can't do these things. So it was very much like everything was a big family topic. Um, And I remember wanting Foxtel as a kid and dad was like, nope, if you have Foxtel, then we can't have a holiday at the end of the year. And like everything was framed like that. Like if you want to save for something, then you have to save for it. Like you can't just have things. And also like them being so open about mortgages as well was really fun, I guess, because like, I don't know, they were just always like, oh yeah, so we've got to pay our mortgage first and then we can do something else, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Because I I didn't realize that wasn't like a normal thing to talk about. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you think having that open dialogue about money growing up helped you avoid getting into some bad financial decisions like being a really bad spender or getting into a lot of debt? Oh yeah, definitely. Like loans weren't really a thing. Like unlike mortgages, like my parents always saved for cars and then they bought them. Like car loans weren't a thing. Um, My parents have credit cards, but they've always paid them off every month and they kind of use them for points more than anything else. Um, But yeah, definitely like everything, like every financial decision was discussed openly with everyone. So there was no, not really a chance to make a bad decision because you'd like talk about it and dad would be like, but why would you do that? Like that's dumb. So it was good. So let's go to when you were in school. Um, What did you do when you finished school? I imagine a lot of people think, oh, if you've got this net worth, you must've been making a lot of money off the bat. You must've studied something really, really um, hard in university. So what was your first steps after graduating? No, so I started studying occupational therapy, like nothing related to finance at all. Um, But I failed a unit in my first, it was my second semester in my first year, which was actually really good. Um, So I failed and then I started working full time as a support worker. Um, And then ever since then, I've been doing uni really part time. So I'm still at uni now, like six years later. Um, But because of that, I got to work full time the whole time throughout uni, which was really cool. Um, Yeah, but nothing finance or anything high paying at all. Just lots of work. Yeah. So support work, is that quite flexible in terms of being able to make as much money as you want? Yeah. So my job that I work at now, you can work 200 hours a fortnight if you want, because you can live in the group home. So you just get paid to like sleep and stay over. Yeah. Like what other job do you get paid to just like have breakfast and like get ready for the day and like sleep? It's so good. Yeah. But you can literally like work like whenever you want because like people need support 24 seven. So there's so many shifts you can pick up if you want to. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then you're studying occupational therapy. So once you've got that degree under your belt, is the plan to become an occupational therapist? Yeah, for now, I'd love to work like locum jobs and move around a little bit. Um, I see heaps of jobs advertised in like Queensland and Darwin. So that would be cool to just work like short contract jobs for a little while and move around until I decide what I actually want to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're very open in terms of um, your income. I know that you've posted that on Instagram. So could you share with us what your income was for the last financial year? Yeah, so I got 96000 last year, um, which is really exciting. Yeah, but I had a few different jobs and that was heaps of fun. That's amazing. So what did that consist of? Um, so I made 71000 at my first job and then I had two other like casual jobs. So I earned a few thousand from those. Um, I also have like an ABN. So I work as a dive master over summer, which is really cool. Um, oh, and then wow. also, yeah, and like dividends and stuff and bank interest too. So yeah, a few different things. Amazing. So what, what got you so good at money? What kind of ignited your passion for personal finance? not really sure if there was like one point where I was like, wow, I'm really excited about this. It was kind of just like, like a normal part of life. Like I've always been good at saving. Like I've been saving my whole life. Like whenever I got birthday money, I'd always save it for something. And like, I've always had the mindset that you've always got to have money for things in the future. Like I've never been good at being like, oh, I have this one goal to save for. I've always just been good at saving like just in case. Um, but I guess when I was younger, I did travel a lot. Like when I first finished school, I went on a few Europe trips and went like diving in the Philippines and I went and swam with whales in Tonga. That was really cool. But like in order to do those things, you had to save for them first. I guess that helped as well. But yeah, it's just been like a normal part of life that there wasn't a big turning point where I was like, yeah, I'm really excited about finance. It's just like normal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And other than obviously having a really great open dialogue with your family about money, were there any other resources that you used to learn more about money and learn about investing? Yeah. So my parents don't really buy like shares or invest that way. Like they have um, investment properties. When I first started learning about shares, they were very like, oh no, that's so dangerous. Don't do that. Um, so Very traditional. I li- <laughs> yeah. Um, so I listened to a lot of podcasts, like My Millennial Money with Glenn was amazing and She's on the Money. And then I just like researched, like there's so many Instagrams where people openly talk about what they buy and like on Reddit and just like Googling stuff as well. Like there's so many online resources. So I just like researched pretty much like the last few years before I got really comfortable and I was like, cool, yeah, this is what I want to do now and not just buy property forever. Amazing. That's so that's a great uh, great start for anyone listening to go out and check out those resources. So many podcasts out there, so many YouTube channels and lots of people out there talking about money these days. So it's probably easier than ever to get into investing. Um, but with that in mind, what was your first experience investing? So I bought my first shares when I was 18. I bought like four units of IVV, which is like the S&P 500. Um, But I didn't really understand or know what I was doing. So I just bought them and let them sit there and then saved my apartment pretty much. Um, But now they've like doubled in like four or five years, which is really cool. Um, Yeah. So then I only started properly investing last year once I learned more about it. Okay. So you started investing at 18. You're now 23. Yeah, just turned 23. So you, your net worth today, I saw that it's around $141,000. So could you tell us what that consists of and what's included in that net worth? Yeah, so I guess the big bit is the 65000 in my apartment equity. Um, so I bought my apartment for 295 at the start of the year and then I had a 20% deposit for it. And then I've also got shares. Um, I've got a little bit of super. It's only at like $10,000. And then cash, like I have quite a bit of cash at the moment. Um, I like having like a big emergency cash buffer so I can do whatever I want with it, I guess. Yeah. And then also like I include my hex debt and my mortgage, of course. Yeah. And then I just wanted to ask a couple of questions around your apartment purchase. So you said you bought an apartment at the start of this year. Was that pre-COVID or during COVID? What was the timing of that? 
It was in the middle of COVID. Um, yeah, and like oh, wow. back in the middle when during the lockdowns. Yeah. So initially this year I had heaps of flights booked. Like I wanted to go to Kazakhstan. I was going to go to Egypt for a little bit and travel. Like my whole year was based around travel plans. But then COVID happened. So all my flights got cancelled and I got refunds for them. And then like it was kind of an accident. Like I wasn't planning on buying an apartment. Like I wasn't, I was kind of just getting into investing in shares. So I was like, oh, I don't even think I want a property anymore. But then my friend sent me the listing and it was just so perfect and like right in my price range and brand new as well. It was so nice. Um, so I went to the home open and then like put an offer in like two days later. Yeah. Now here we are. Wow. Amazing. So do you, are you living by yourself at the moment? Yes. Yeah. Just me living here. It's really cool. Awesome. And how do you manage that um, in terms of bills and stuff? It's all obviously within your price range and you're still budgeting yeah. like you always have? Yeah, my mortgage is really affordable. It's like $950 a month, which like is so cheap. It works out to $230 a week, which is fine. Um, and then I've got like a big buffer for my rates and stuff. And my bills are so cheap. Like my electricity was like $90, the recent bill that just came. Um, and my water was so cheap as well. So it's like completely manageable. Yeah. And like That's heaps amazing. better. Yeah. Heaps better than trying to share with someone because it's just an apartment as well. I like having my own space. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally get you. And then I was going to ask, how did you save for that deposit? So $65,000 is a lot of money for a lot of people out there. So obviously you already have quite good money habits, but what tips would you give for someone who is wanting to save for a deposit on a property? Make sure you set smart goals. Like I really hate when people are like, oh, I'm just going to save $50,000 and that's just like the end of their sentence. And then it's like, okay, so how are you going to save it? Like, is it realistic? So I love when people break it down. So if you need $50,000 over two years, then how much is that each week? And is that actually realistic for you? And then setting up automatic transfers, like making sure you save before you buy all the other things that you want to buy is really important. Yeah. I think just making sure your goals are realistic. Like it's great if you want to save, but don't set yourself unrealistic goals of saving a hundred grand in a year if that's like really not reasonable for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you do that, it's so easy to lose motivation and feel like you're failing and it's really hard to get back on board. Definitely. And there's no, yeah, there's no point setting goals that you really can't achieve because then like you said, yeah, you just feel like you're failing the whole time and you feel so unmotivated. So you're doing so well with your money, uh, earning lots of money, saving lots of money, buying investments. Um, So what's your overall goal when it comes to personal finance? I would love to have a million dollar share portfolio and like kind of, kind of fire goals, I guess. Like I'd love to have this big share portfolio that I can live off and then just have the freedom to do whatever I want. Like I'd love for work to be an optional bonus to my life and not a necessary, like a necessity to survive. Um, Yeah. So just financial independence, I guess. Yeah. And you said FIRE goals. Could you break down what FIRE means and what that movement's about? Yeah. So FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And like the overarching movement is saving and being really frugal early on and investing lots into like low cost index funds. So then you can have this big like investment portfolio that gives you a passive income. So you don't need to work and you can retire early. Um, So I'm not really focusing on like the retire early bit. I'd love like the financial independence so I can have more freedom and choice. Um, yeah, but it's a really cool movement. If you haven't heard of it, you should definitely research it. Yeah. How would someone look into that? Where should, where's a good place to start? There's so many fire people on Instagram. Um, so the first person I ever followed was called My Wealth Diary. Um, she's insane. She's in the US and has like almost a 300 grand net worth and she's like 27 or something. And yeah, she has fire goals and it's just like, oh, and there's also like Captain Fire. I think he's Australian and he has a blog as well. Um, they're all just people who like live on like 20% of their income and save the rest to try and be like, yeah, to try and save as quickly as possible. It's amazing. It's really cool. It's such a cool concept. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And do you do any expense tracking? So keeping track of all your expenses or are you more just um, putting certain amount of money aside and spending what's left? Yeah. So I track everything that I spend um, in like a Google sheet because I love like being mindful about it. There's nothing worse than like having to write down every coffee you've bought for that week to make you like fully understand how much money you've spent. Um, So I don't have like a set budget exactly, but I do track what I spend. So I'm making sure I spend on things that I actually really care about. And like, yeah, I love when you sit down at the end of the week and it's like, great. I got grilled and Nando's and like coffees every day. Like this is not a good week, but it's a nice reminder (laughs) as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So the overall goal with your personal finances is obviously to have financial independence. What's your next smaller financial goal? Is there anything that you're wanting to do next to get yourself there? I don't really, uh, not really small goals, I guess, just like invest as much as I can. Um, I've kind of like, I don't know, like I bought my apartment. I don't have any more like big property goals or anything. Um, I guess like other than little net worth goals, but I'm trying not to track my net, like track my net worth too closely as well. Cause then I get a bit obsessive over it. Um, so yeah, just to like invest as much as possible. Yeah. And keep like doing all the fun stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you are investing, I think for a lot of people, it's daunting because you think, I don't know what companies I should be investing in. What's your general approach to investing? Index funds. Um, So I don't buy any single stocks at all. Like I love ETFs and index funds. That's definitely a good place to research. Um, Yeah. So just like throwing heaps of money into an index fund where I'm not making any choices is really good. Absolutely. And you get that really good diversification in that way as well. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Perfect. So what would your advice be to someone who's looking to start getting in control of their money? So let's say, for example, someone's fresh out of high school, they haven't really had much experience with money before. What kind of life advice would you give them? Like learn as much as possible. Listen to all the money podcasts, read all the books, like stalk everyone on Instagram, like learn everything because there's no one way to do personal finance. So you can't just like listen to your parents and do what they've done or listen to one friend and do what they've done. You have to like learn about all of it and then decide what works for you. And then just being mindful. I think like tracking your spending and being mindful of what you actually spend is really powerful as well. Absolutely. Awesome. And start saving now. Yeah. Start saving as quick as possible. Awesome. So thank you so much, Tash, for sharing all of those tips. For anyone who's wanting to learn more or ask any more questions, where can we find you? So I'm Tash Invests on Instagram and then I also have a TikTok account as well. So they're both called Tash Invests. Perfect. Awesome. So for everyone listening, go follow Tash on Instagram and TikTok. Make sure you follow Gen Z Money on Instagram as well. Um, And if you have any more questions, just send them through to Tash and we can always get her back on the show if you do have more questions. So thank you so much, Tash, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorised representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services licence 451289.